forever. Dog. Hi, Anna. Hi, Andrew. Hey, everybody else. And welcome to our podcast, Scary, Scary Stories, Stories to Tell, to tell the on the Pod. The Park. I said on the park. Oh. Uh-oh. If you don't like us, that's the exact kind of quirkiness that's going to drive you crazy. Yeah, Scary Stories to Tell in the Park is sort of a summer event uh, produced by the city of New York. On the other hand, Scary Stories to Tell in the Pod is a podcast that's about funny things and scary things and scary stories and urban legends, etc., etc. And mostly it's a comedy podcast told by two good friends. Yeah, um, who was who- us? Who went to school for pretending. So, you know, <laughs> would be smarter, but we're not. Uh, and because it is a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. It is an Urban Legisode Day. And Anna, today we're going to do something a little bit different. <gasps> so, as you know, we have a Gmail account. We have an Instagram account. We have a Twitter account. All of which you can send your scary stories to. And today I'm going to read some of the scary stories sent to our new Gmail account. Uh, scary stories at gmail or scary story pod at gmail.com that's right that's right and lady bird uh, is going to give a little bit of a warble in the background just for just for that. texture always nice to have a rich sound design <laughs> okay so uh this email subject is i saw the ghost of someone who was still alive Whoa. with a question mark okay wow that's like what is the sound of one hand clapping <laughs> Greetings to all the applicable parties. Love that. Good. I have a story that has very good spook factor and would be perfect for your spooky funny podcast. Here we go. I was taking a jazz dance class in my junior year of college. Yeah, that's when you (laughs) do that. Very clear. This dance class was three hours long, but our teacher was cool and let us take like a 10 minute break in the middle of class to have a snack and use the bathroom. Oh my God. That's so good. That is oh. not what our classes were. No, no. We were also, oh made man. to African dance until we vomited. That was our <laughs> rite of passage. One time, so Ann and I, Ann and I met our freshman year of theater school. And one time, uh, our first, our very first class, which was an 8.30 a.m. African dance class, I, I was like new to college. I didn't know how things worked. I went to a dining hall knowing I should have breakfast, but I had not given myself a proper amount of time. So I just took a to-go canister and put a cup of Fruit Loops in it and then brought oh, it to class. My and God. And then very quickly realized that was fully insane when I walked in. And I just I just like hit it in the corner of the room. And then our African dance TA, Paul, at the end of class was like, uh, did someone leave a canister of like some fruit loops and i just fully acted like i had no idea whose it was oh and i did not own up and i just looked around like oh no that's, that's so crazy why would anyone do oh, that paul you <laughs> got it man that class was if it just was jumping up and down and also was like just yeah. the least coordinated theater nerds from the tri-state area florida and texas <laughs> And you couldn't wear shoes, so like that was a whole other new thing. It was a whole wow. thing. At least this jazz dance person, they're wearing some hot leather leather numbers. Exactly. They're having their Fruit Loops in the corner. Okay, so they have this 10-minute break. It was nearing the end of our break, so I went to the bathroom, which was just down the hall from the main dance studio. 
at the other end of the halo, there is. Oh no, I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess that's hallway. Um, at the other end of the hallway, there is also a smaller dance studio that is open to students. But we will get to that in a minute. So I was coming out of the bathroom, trying to get back to the classroom before class started. On my way to the classroom, I looked to the end of the hallway and saw my friend, who was in my class, going into the small studio. This didn't make sense to me. Why would he be going back into the small studio when class was about to resume? I have him. Uh, I have him. Hmm? I have him look as if to say, "I gave him." Oh, sorry. I gave him a look as if to say, "What the hell are you doing, dumbass? Class is about <laughs> class is starting back in there." What the hell I are you doing, actually- dumbass? <laughs> no, wow. What a fun relationship. I didn't that. actually say these words, but my look conveyed what I was trying to get across. We are very good friends that communicate in sassy looks alone. <laughs> my friend just gave me a smirk and tilted his head as if he was inviting me to join him. I thought about following him for a moment, but then rolled my eyes and shook my head, proceeding to go back into the classroom. Now, this is a small class, maybe 12 or 15 students total. So obviously, if someone leaves the room, it is noticed. As soon as I came into the classroom, I started to chat with a friend. I was right by the door to the studio class. Uh, I was right by the door the studio class was in, so I would have known if someone came in behind me. This is why I was shocked and confused to see my friend, who had supposedly just gone into the dance studio, down the hall. I was also confused because my friend didn't have the black sweatshirt he had been wearing when I saw him in the hallway. Uh. So I went over to my friend and asked him how he was able to get back in the room so quickly after having just gone into the studio down the hall. He told me he had no idea what I was talking about. Now, keep in mind my friend loves to play pranks and has scared me too many times for me to trust him. So I figured this was another one of those pranks. I started questioning everyone in the class and they all swore up and down that my friend never left the classroom. I didn't let up my questioning, figuring I could make someone break and reveal the prank. No one let up. Some are actually a bit worried about me and and how convinced I was that I saw something. We even went right over to check and see if everything was still in the small studio down the hall. But we opened the door and no one was there. So then I didn't trust myself and I was even more spooked. I went through the rest of the day terrified to be alone because I worried about who else I might hallucinate. Some friends suggested I might have seen a rip in the time dimension that I was seeing th- uh, that I was seeing things because I was tired and stressed, etc. But I knew that I was fine. I had unsettling dreams for the rest of the week and did as much research about the incident as I could. Three years later, my friend still swears it wasn't him I saw in the hallway. I even bring it up the most random times to see if I can get him to give up the joke, but he would never. But he would. But he would have given up by now. I still sometimes think about how whatever I saw was trying to invite me to follow it and what might have happened if I had. Whoa. Ooh. Anyway, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. It is the perfect mix of spooky and comedy, and I always feel happy after listening. Thank you for the amazing show. Spookily, Chelsea. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you, Chelsea. Oh, my God. Chelsea. Chelsea. I love the... <laughs> Who knows what could have happened if I'd gone into that great beyond. Anyway, love the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I no, just Chelsea. wouldn't be a floating fog somewhere, but um, you break my Wednesdays. Uh. But it's great to have something to listen to during a commute. Um, yeah, Chelsea, <laughs> this is very spooky. I, I It's really interesting because before the movie Us came out, I had no consciousness that people were like very scared of doppelgangers. Um, but that is that is a very common fear. And I think I saw Alex Song post a thing on Twitter like around the time Us came out saying like that was like doppelgangers were like a big fear of hers, which I'm always so fascinated by. And it is very creepy, um, but I don't think of it as being so prominent in folklore, but I guess it must be. 
I know it's scary to think that there's a part of you that you can't control. And I guess a doppelganger is like the ultimate part of that. Yeah. Like that there's just this little doubles running around, especially outside (laughs) of a jazz dance class. What we don't need is more theater majors. I'll say that. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I I love a spooky thing happening in a non-spooky, in a classically non-spooky circumstance. Um, I also, uh, thank you, Chelsea, for your email. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, I also just want to say uh, Andrew and I are FaceTiming and I am leaning back on my couch and I just realized <laughs> that he can see me and that I am – it's like we're doing telemedicine and he's <laughs> looking to see if I have any polyps in my asshole. <laughs> like I am just <laughs> – that's the only explanation. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just looked up at the tiny little square in the corner that's across the room. No, Anna, it looks like uh, viewers or listeners, I'm viewing, you're listening. Um, It's such a funny image because Anna's wearing these, um, like, not graphic pajamas. They're plaid. Plaid. Right? They're flannies. But from that perspective, it was as though I was looking into a never-ending vanishing point. (laughs) Like, because everything was sort of, but but the vanishing point was your crotch. I'm so sorry. No, it it kind of looked like art. I'm so sorry, it Andrew. And like I, a, when you've when you've been a bunch of suburban kids in an, in a in a sweet West African dance class for a year, <laughs> you just you get comfortable with each other, the reality of each other's bodies. And um, <laughs> and I'm sorry. I think um, I think the function of that class, and it was taught by this amazing uh, choreographer named Peter Bass, who's just like who was the sweetest man in the entire world. I think the function of that class, which I only got years later, was um, yeah, you you take a bunch of like un uh, like just well, I guess we'll just say it, like unformed, l- completely lacking in angles, nineteen um, year olds, eighteen year olds. And, and I think it was just like, from that point forward, nothing could embarrass me. I was doing a thing that looked so cool to do if you were cool, and boy, oh boy, was I not. And then from that point forward, I was like, I mean, I can do anything. <laughs> wow, that's true. I think it went the other way where I didn't, I should have been more embarrassed. because. <laughs> well, because you were the only one who had like dance experience in the class. Anna was a star in this class, I will just say. Was I? That is not yes. my remembrance of this. Yeah, I remember I remember the first class, our TA Paul was like, do you have dance experience? And you were like, a little bit. <laughs> oh, did I say a little bit? Yes. Oh, my God. I definitely felt like I was overrepresenting myself as like, I definitely remember <laughs> telling a teacher, like, I think of myself as primarily a dancer. <laughs> I love that I was realistic with so I did ballet for 18 years, but I did it in like bike shorts and a T-shirt. So like it doesn't really count. Wow. No. Oh, my God. Um, that, that does wow. I, I um, also think it was just to get us a little bit more physical stamina for other stuff. Oh, my God. That's that's huge. And and I've never been in better shape in my life, which is tragic. It's trage. Trage. Okay. Um, here's another scary story. And this one comes after, Anna, you and I asked for um, beach house or beach-related scary stories Ooh, good. after reading sounds. This is good for the winter. Mm-hmm. Hi, Anna and Andrew. Here's my spooky tale. Over the summer of 2019, my partner and I vacationed in Savannah, Georgia for a week right after college graduation. One night, we went to the beach and uh, with we went to the beach with takeout for a sunset beachside dinner and wow. ended up staying ooh right after 
Wow, right after college graduation, how chic. Sunset okay. Beachside Dinner. How do you know to take care of yourself like that? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You didn't just take Taco Bell to a screening of Beowulf? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also something Anne and I did in our Absolutely. college experience. Okay. Um, it was cloudy, which resulted in the beach being very dark. Oh, so it's a daytime spooky story. Okay. There was enough light to get by without a flashlight. Oh, never mind. But not enough to make out details. Uh, so it is night. That's a scary we, time of day when there's no shadows. I know. We crossed paths with a few more people on our walk, and all we could see of them and they of us were solid, dark forms. We exchanged clip hellos and exaggerated waves. I'm not a serial killer signals. <laughs> clip hellos uh, and, and exa- tiny hello, big wave. That's how you <laughs> let someone know you're safe. <laughs> Revealing your hands and your pockets. Uh, and we kept on walking. Eventually, it was late enough that the beach was completely deserted as far as we could see. We turned back and started to walk toward where we'd left the car. Probably not even ten paces back the way we'd come, my partner noticed someone else on the beach with us. He whispered to me, there's someone here. And then I noticed the person too. There was the outline of a man standing perhaps 20 feet away from us down the beach the way we'd come, up towards the dunes. He wasn't walking. He was standing with his body oriented directly towards us. No. We slowed our pace. Yep. We slowed our pace and had an urgently whispered conversation about whether we should turn around again, if I should get my flashlight out, etc. My partner had an immediate bad feeling about the man on the beach with us, but in the end, we couldn't think of an alternative, so we kept walking hand in hand back down the beach, both of us on high alert. When we were closer to the man, he started walking too, right towards us, not along the beach, nope. diagonally right at us. Oh, boy. He, he was about the same height and build as my partner, who is six feet tall and weighs 200 pounds, so not small. <laughs> I like that. Um, the man kept my walking. My big partner. <laughs> my big partner. <laughs> it's a toy that makes everyone uncomfortable. Okay. Um <laughs> The man kept walking straight towards us, even though we had moved into the water, trying to get away from him. (gasps) No, no, no. When he was no more than six steps away from us on the smooth sand near the water, he stopped. I was just beginning to consider saying something. What? Hello? When the man in front of us disappeared. It wasn't like he turned into smoke or something equally theatrical. It was like I blinked and the solid person who was there a second ago was nowhere to be seen. I might have convinced myself I dreamed the whole encounter if I had been alone, but my partner confirmed what I'd seen. Holy shit, what was that? Followed by a tense, we need to leave now. Me being myself, I clicked on my flashlight and was like, what? No, we need to look around. He practically had to drag me away from the scene of our ghostly Uh. encounter. Even though our house was miles from the beach, neither of us slept well that night. Today, I tend to joke about it. When will my sweet beach ghost return to me? My partner backtracked in his initial reaction and insisted he didn't see anything that night, effectively ruining my credibility with anyone because you know I tell the story at every chance. When I texted my mom about it the next day, she responded, Savannah Dune Man, and sent me an article, link below. I'll write in again if I have the good fortune of seeing another ghost or perhaps to share some of my family's ghost stories. But for now, I'll leave you with one last creepy detail about that night on the beach. When I clicked on my flashlight and swung the beam around on the sand where a person had been only seconds before, there were no footprints. Ah, I love the podcast. You both are wonderful. Mara. Mara, that was a well-structured ending. That was beautifully done. You made us uh, feel safe, and then you said one last thing, and that was great. 
I'm so sorry that uh, I'm so sorry that your partner has has <laughs> reneged on their commitment to this ghost story. What he's a turned state's witness. This is a, he's a true rat. So, um, just a quick thing: the Dune Man is yeah. called Tybee's Dune Man. Uh. These are Tybee Island ghosts. Okay, um, and there, there's this, uh, there's this long article that is really amazing. But there is a recurring thing where people see a man on the dunes on Tybee Island. Uh, who walks towards them and then disappears and leaves no footsteps. And that is a common trope. And how spooky to have that experience before knowing the ghost story. You know what I mean? Wow. I wonder what it is. I wonder if there's like something about the light there that just like. Yeah, I'm super curious. I wonder. That was really great. What kind of takeout did they have? Uh, Acid burgers? <laughs> you know what? Maybe it was that the chain burger. did not do well out in LA. It didn't. Um, You'd think it would, but everyone just felt talked down to. They were like, "We can make that at home." Yeah, oddly, the burger was the pro- was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Savannah Dune Man. Savannah Dune Man. Okay, would love would love to have the relationship with my mom where she's like, "Hey, that sounds like the Savannah Dune Man," and then she sends me an article. That's like. <laughs> My mom would just tell me, like, have you pooped today? <laughs> but then it's just like um, a sort of human interest story about a very sexy naked man who lives on the beach who your mom used to date. You know, it's like, ah! And it's like, oh, my God, she had a life before me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love and that. that's the scariest thing of all. Thank um, you, okay. Mara. Thank you for that. Thank you, Mara. Okay. Um, I'm going to read one more. Okay. And this one comes from our call for scary babysitting stories. Ooh. Hi, Anna and Andrew. I love your podcast. I also have lots of spooky stories. And after this week's episode on the story, The Babysitter, I remembered one that absolutely terrified me when I was younger. For any other anxious horror lovers, I'll preface this by saying... Horror lovers. <laughs> you horror lovers. Horror lovers. <laughs> to any other horror lovers, I'll <laughs> preface this by saying that my story has a fun, not scary ending. That's very kind of you. That's good. Christy. When I was a teenager in the suburbs, I babysat for a variety of families at least once or twice a week, and there was one regular family who I babysat for all the time. They lived in an enormous, sprawling house, and so when the kids went to bed, it was just me all alone in this mansion. Oh, Christy, no. This was pre-smartphone era, so I usually read in the large living room, which was an entire wing of the house, far from the upstairs where the kids slept. Christy! Christy, this the, is scary. This is very scary. I feel like this family also tried to pay her just $20 an hour or like whatever the normal <laughs> babysitting for several children was. Yeah. Like, well, why should we pay more? So even though we have more, yeah. If your house is scary, you should pay the babysitter more. Infinitely more. And if it has a frightening history, take out a new mortgage. Okay. You gotta. Uh, in the living room, I always had the lights on, which I now realize was very, very stupid of teenage me. What? Wait, why? Oh, the like if was she sur- wasn't even in there? Uh, the room was surrounded with tall windows, which looked out on their isolated wooded backyard. Oh. I, I guess it's like because you don't want to be seen. But I don't know. Can you – I mean, imagine coming home and your babysitter is sitting in your massive mansion living room (laughs) reading in the dark. (laughs) I I wouldn't even call the police. I'd just drown her. (laughs) You got to – there's no life for her after that. (laughs) So one night, the kids were asleep and the parents were at a fancy party, of course. 
and would be home past midnight. Around 9 p.m., I started hearing noises. I was, and still am, a very jumpy person, so when I first heard sounds outside on the front porch across the house, I put down my book and started listening. Then, almost immediately after the front porch, after I heard the front por- porch noises, I heard shuffling sounds on the outside of the house where the living room was. It was definitely someone moving around, I was sure. I thought I, I heard quiet conversation, but not anyone loudly laughing or talking like they yeah. were trying to announce themselves. At that point, I lowered the living room lights so I was in mostly darkness. The sounds kept coming around the house toward the sliding glass door in the kitchen, which was separated from the kitchen by one wall. I heard thumps on the ground outside the glass door and more shuffling, like someone was there. Then the sliding glass door rattled. Very slowly, Uh. I went to the living room fireplace and got a fire poker. Wow, this is classic babysitter in distress behavior, and I love it. A fire poker. Okay. That is so good. Then crept around the wall into the kitchen. There were at least two large shadowy figures at the door. It's shocking to me that I didn't fall down and die from fright. But I looked for a second and very quickly realized I recognized the faces on the shadowy figures. I lowered the poker and opened the sliding door. It was five of my friends, two of whom were big, tall guys whose shadows alone were scary. They knew I was babysitting and figured I might be bored, so decided to swing by and say hello. While I was furious, they snuck up on me and I mistook them for murderers. I was also enraged that they broke the cardinal babysitting rule of never having guests over. You can guess. (laughs) I like this. You can guess what kind of teenager I was. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so funny. I didn't know that that was a cardinal rule. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you can't do that. That was like the big thing. Because they don't, the parent hasn't vetted the person you're having over. Yeah, they're not insured. Um, I told them they had to leave. They made fun of me and the fire poker I almost used to defend myself for weeks. Don't make fun of your friend for having a good primal instinct to defend yourself. Your friend is the product of generations of survivors. (laughs) It's in her DNA. (laughs) After they left, I immediately checked on the children because I knew every babysitting group of legend at that point and sat in the darkness until the parents came home. Sat in the darkness? Christy. No, Christy. Fortunately, Christy. Also, Christy is the perfect babysitter name for the pre-smartphone era, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, raise your hand if you haven't been babysat by a Christy. Yeah, wow. Uh, this is great. Okay. Uh, fortunately, I survived my babysitting years. Thanks for everything you do with the podcast from Christy. Wow. Thank you, Christy. Christy, good story. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That was and it had like the satisfying scary. twist. It was sort of – um. this was sort of like uh, directed by the by the people who brought you Can't Hardly Wait. Yes, it's yeah. yeah, it's classic, it's tropey, it's archetype. Oh my god. I also loved the like at least two shadowy figures and you're like, are they murderers? Is it just the parents? Yes. What's yeah. gonna happen? Also, five friends. It's one thing for one friend to come over. Five friends. What's going on? I mean, I guess what how how nice to have a dedicated friend group. Yeah, I think that was more my vibe in high school was mm. a group of five friends and then like if you were alone with one of them you realize that you guys were sort of strangers to each other because like you only ever hang out in a large group (laughs) yeah remember that revelation yeah that was a lot of um like the summer before uh leaving for college where it's like you'd be with all your friends but then sometimes some of your friends would their their semester would start earlier 
And then like they'd be gone and then it was like, oh, now we're three or now we're whatever. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I remember the semester or the summer before senior year getting actually mad at one of our friends because she would say it was too late to hang out. But we would call to start hanging out at like 1030. Uh-huh. And we were like, what is wrong with her? <laughs> I just remember like going to each other's houses at 1230 at night. <laughs> is this boring? I was a virgin. Is that clear? <laughs> Put no, that in context no. of like just the most sheltered Smallville fan of all time. <laughs> the most sheltered Smallville fan. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Spooky. No, I do love that. Wow. These are all really great stories. We've got a whole boatload more. So we'll continue to read these occasionally. Uh, in yes. Episodes. Um, but yeah, y'all are so stories. good at telling spooky stories. Thank you for them. Keep sending them in. Um, again, you can send them to scarystorypod at gmail.com, scarystory underscore pod at on Instagram or Twitter. We'd love and to just get again, them. the passwords for all those accounts is <laughs> OMG a ghost for capital yeah. three. Abject havoc. Um, this whole thing Andrew has just Farmer. been a, a social experiment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Anna, do, should we do a spooky, th- scary, scary, scary ideas for things that could happen? I will never yes. get that right. Yes. Um, do you have one? Yes. Great. You're in CB2. It's like Crate and Barrel, but mid-century modern. <laughs> you approach the clearance rack and see... All sorts of little factory-made, cookie-cutter, objects de art, little spheres, little hourglasses. And then you see, just past all of the ceramic ducks, a little gold pyramid. And it's the only one of its kind... And you say, oh, I'll bring that home. And you bring it home, and it feels warm to the touch. And you just figure there was a vent or something. And you put it on your shelf, and you go to bed. And then, in the middle of the night, you get up to go to the bathroom. And you see, you hear a little commotion. And you poke your head into the living room and see a bunch of little torches stuck into the bookcase around the pyramid and you hear little tiny meows and you see that a bunch of little cats are having a funeral for a pharaoh cat and they're loading his corpse into the pyramid and then you say well, I guess that's why it was on sale. <laughs> that could that happen. Could happen. <laughs> Don't tell me it couldn't happen. Oh it my could. god. Look, it's right here. Ay. Cats doing any sort of ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Little ones. Wow. Little ones. Look at them. You did it. I did oh, it. I like that one, Anna. Okay, I've got one. Thanks. There's a block in the city that you always avoid. Because that's the block where all the people with clipboards ask you to sign their petitions. Like, 
Excuse me, sir, do you have a second to spare to save the environment? Excuse me, sir, do you have a second to spare to close the hole in the ozone layer? And you just can't deal with that right now. But there's this smoothie place on that block that you really want to try. Because they do half-off smoothies before 3 p.m. So, you take a little break from work, you go there, you make you make a, a beeline straight for the smoothie place. And sure enough, all these people with clipboards are coming up to you. Do you have a minute to save the ferrets? Do you have a minute to save the clock tower? Do you have a minute to save... But suddenly, someone says, Do you have a minute to save a child's life? And you look, and there's a person standing there with bright red hair and completely black teeth. And something about you stops and says, Uh... Yeah, I guess I have a minute to save a child's life. And the person says, Great, his name is Adam, and uh, he's in a trunk in the cemetery six blocks away. You probably got five minutes to go save him. Uh. And you stand there thinking, and you realize that the person is gone. And you look at your watch. Five minutes. And seven minutes later, you're walking back to your office with the smoothie you've just <laughs> that could that happen. could happen andrew that did happen that did happen <laughs> oh my god that's so funny uh, yeah gotta... i'm always stressed out by those people I'm, I I'm i think it's great but it's stressful i always looked at that because it's like it pays like minimum wage and it would right. always be like when i was looking for day jobs i'd be like oh i do want to help Right. Like, That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I want to work for the charity. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I think how I justified it is nearly every time someone was like, will you sign this petition? In my head, I was like, I will donate a dollar to the charity instead. And now in my adulthood, I think I've made up for it. But yeah. But I mean, nothing replaces actual like actual volunteering and blah, blah. But uh, that's yeah, a job. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, well, R.I.P. to the kid. R.I.P. to the kid. He's oh, maybe in the someone cemetery, else saved him. So it's like convenient. <laughs> oh boy, Anna. Oh boy, a real Andrew, pleasure as always. A pleasure. Thank you for and the scaries. Thank you for the scaries, everybody. Uh, and as a little gift before you go, we just have one thing to ask: Get, Get out. out forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.